Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome back to another episode of the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. For first-time listeners, please be aware that not all of the conversations within this podcast are suitable for children. I'd also like to add a trigger warning that sometimes the conversations can get a little heavy. We may talk about things like sexual abuse, domestic violence, drug use and alcohol use. And if you feel that that may trigger you, please do not tune in. Also, I'd like to add, if you are a heavy daily drinker, please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bunjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Hi, and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the cyber studio, I'm joined by my beautiful, darling, gorgeous friend, Miss Lyndall Hunt, how are you, darling? Hello, darling. So good to be here. I'm doing great. And it's lovely to see your beautiful face. Oh, likewise. Oh, I love it. I had some requests from people saying, when's Lyndall coming back on? <laughs> so we're always talking about it. We're every like all the time, every two days. Like every oh, time. We should talk about that on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, we should talk about that. We should do about uh, an episode about that. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so you're doing well. I'm doing really well, yes. It's been a very big year and I've finished all my study now, which is super exciting. So I was doing a diploma of counselling. That's all done. So that to me is huge because when I was drinking, like I just couldn't follow through with anything. Just I had all these grand plans about studying or doing whatever and I just could never follow through with anything. So the fact that I've actually done it and finished it, I'm just so stoked and yeah so that that's really cool and a lot of other stuff has happened this this year so it's been a really big year but yeah I'm doing great it's so amazing yeah well done congratulations thank you it's like when all the time frees up for us that we used to spend on drinking there's so much more time available to us now and just yeah the I've got the study bug so bad and it's great I'm with you I used to start things all the time and not finish them and well, I even get there right to the end. I, I remember I did my bow and therapy 
mm-hmm. core symptom in bone therapy. And I did all the theory of all things and then just couldn't be bothered doing the prac stuff at the end and just didn't finish it. Yeah. Did well, I had that. It's interesting because I had that feeling when I was trying to find somewhere to do placement and it was actually uh, a little bit more difficult than I anticipated to find somewhere to do placement. And I had that thought of like, oh, fuck it, I just won't bother finishing. You know, it didn't cost me that much to do this, so I, I just won't bother finishing. And, I, and it was really interesting to have that thought because it was like, wow, why, why are you trying to give up on yourself here, Lindor? Just keep going. You'll find somewhere. It'll be okay. And I did, and now it's done. And, yeah, I definitely can't say I've got a study bug. <laughs> Because, you know, you're talking to a girl here who didn't even finish high school, so the the study was challenging. But, um, yeah, like I'm just really stoked that I finished it. It's really yeah, cool. well done. Absolutely well done. I'm Thank so you. proud of you. Thank you. Yeah, Thank so you. Great. So the reason I got you on today, just wanted to talk about Christmas for people. It's a tough, tough old time. I've been doing a bit of posting about it because I've been receiving so many messages from people saying that they're struggling or that they're just finding like their emotions are coming up. It's a big, big time for people. I think sometimes we think about Christmas. There's so many reasons why Christmas can be triggering in this whole time of year. Like there's the financial stuff, obviously, which is huge, especially at the moment for people. There's all the expectations around seeing family, seeing people spreading yourself so thin, Uh you know, trying to please everyone. I've got to be here, 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 there. Like you and I were talking about, Lyndall, like grief showing up if someone's passed away and and maybe doing a first Christmas, second, even third Christmas Mm. without that person, how the family dynamic can change for people in a situation like that. There's so many things. The stress. What can you add to that? I mean, there's so many. So many things, yeah. Well, I mean, pile on top of all of that is that there's all these parties people are having end of year parties and christmas parties and work breakups and catching up before christmas drinks and so there's a lot of drinking that goes on around this time and that can be really difficult for people to navigate especially earlier in sobriety but i I wanted to also just acknowledge those people who perhaps haven't gotten sober yet if anyone's listening to the podcast and still drinking and maybe not even at that point of of quitting drinking yet you know that it's a difficult time for those people too I know that for me my drinking really escalated around Christmas time because it was sort of like I felt like I gave myself a little bit of freedom to just go and drink because well it's Christmas so you know you just drink right but the drinking really escalated uh, over that time and that that then also brings with it all of the added shame and guilt and questioning in your head about where's my drinking and all that sort of thing but it can also for those people who are still drinking that particularly if there's anybody who perhaps has uh, loved ones that don't want to speak to them anymore you know that can be really triggering around this time of year really difficult to navigate so yeah it can be a tricky time of year for a lot of people definitely loneliness mm, is another one rejection one. like someone messaged me the other day too about feeling rejection because having not been invited to certain family members events that were going on oh I mean that hurts there's so many things that we have to be with and so like you say like whether you're still drinking or whether you're someone that hasn't been drinking but still like either or there's still these big emotions that are showing up I guess without the alcohol too we're really marinating in those feelings that come up so Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to firstly acknowledge what you're feeling to tune in and just say oh 
I'm feeling a bit tender. I'm feeling a bit, yeah, mum, I'm feeling a bit lonely. I'm feeling a bit sad. And just acknowledging the feelings that are there, mm-hmm. just to name them sometimes helps. And I'll talk about that a lot in the podcast. But, okay, well, well, what is it I'm feeling exactly? You know, what's going on for me? Finding journaling for me really helps around this sort of stuff. But just sort of, yeah, just trying to be present and, and tuning in. Because I think sometimes too, we can even start to act like super shitty. Like you start acting like a bit of an arsehole because yeah. you actually got a lot of stuff going on under the surface that you haven't acknowledged. So I think as soon as you acknowledge it, then perhaps you don't act like such a dick <laughs> or an arsehole. And, and being kind to yourself if you are acting like a bit of an arsehole too. Yeah. And you said it really well when we were talking on the phone the other day that sometimes people don't understand why they're feeling a bit weird around this time of year or or if they're feeling a bit upset or a bit whatever, whatever sort of emotion is going on. And and that's okay too. And I think what you just said then about just trying to name the feeling is a really good start. Like so even if you don't understand intellectually what's going on, your body's Mm. trying to tell you something for the fact that, you you know, there's something coming up so even just trying to name the the feeling and just acknowledging where you're feeling that in your body and what's going on that that can be a really good start you don't always necessarily need to know what why or you know what it's about yeah definitely Mm. and now ash and i spoke about this on the podcast that's just come out but one thing that i've been doing with the grads with our morning tuesday and thursday morning check-ins that we do we do a bit of journaling practice and setting up the, I'm not sure if you're on the call, Linda, we did ages ago, we did Rick Hansen's caring committee where you bring in your fairy godmother type and you're in a coach and you're in a wise person. And to just, it's just such a great practice. So I'm going to mention it again, even though people probably heard me talk about it the other day with Ash, but to sit with your journal as well and to go, just talk about like name the emotion. This is what I'm feeling. Perhaps then ask yourself, did something happen? What's happening that's making me feel this way? And do a little mind dump on it. I find that's really helpful. Just get out all the stuff. But then what would my inner fairy godmother say? This person who loves me unconditionally, who just thinks I can do no wrong, what would she say? And or or they say, however you want to, whatever you how we want to address them. Uh then what would my inner coach say? And then what would my wise person say? And that's always for me, that question is, what is this teaching me? Or what can I learn from this? Oh, it's so awesome. And then at the end of my journaling, because I've been doing this for quite a while now, I just write down the answer to what the wise one would say because mm-hmm. we all have that. We've all got the wisdom within us, all of us. We've got all the answers within us. If we just stop and tune in, it's, it's there. So we want to kind of, yeah, what is this trying to teach me? What's this trying to show me? And, and giving yourself that love and compassion from the inner fairy godmother and that bit of kind of motivation and a uh, bit of like you got this inner coach. It just helps through balancing. I don't know, that's what I do. What do you do? Yeah, I mean, it's really, um, yeah, definitely like thinking about those sorts of things. And I'm also working with a, uh, a counsellor at the moment who's a somatic experience practitioner. So she's really teaching me to really listen to my body. And I've, I've done some of this work with you before, Danny. I know this is obviously a, an area that you're very familiar with as well. But, yeah, she's really teaching me to really listen to my body and what is going on in my body, even from a very simple point of view of just I'll be in the middle of talking to her about something and she'll be like, do you mind if, like, I'll just invite you to pause here right now and just simply notice what's going on in your body. And I'll be like, oh, I feel feel this little tingling in my foot or something. And she'll be like, well, 
maybe just what happens if you move your foot, you know, like just as simple as that, just really tuning in and recognising what's going on in your body because your body is going to tell you first if there's something going on before your mind does. So, and then I guess to soothe, it's, it's, I always ask myself that question, how could I approach this in a kinder way? So especially Mm -hmm. if I feel like I'm being hard on myself, like how could I approach this in a kinder way? And that goes for other people too, you know, when I'm think when I'm having harsh thoughts about other people. How could I approach this in a kind of way? That's usually my go-to question. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I'm just happy dancing here about that you're working with a somatic therapist because it's so great. Part of my journaling too, I always, if I'm writing something, I forgot to add this one too, that I'll always try and make mention in my journaling where I'm feeling it in my body. Mm-hmm just to also become aware of that. So I think they're all really great tools to really kind of tune in and, yeah, okay, what's this trying to show me? Where do I feel this? It's just so great. Like, it's really good. Yeah. So there's so many reasons as to why. The other thing is just checking in. Like, I did a post today just saying you might feel too busy to do your practice, but now is the time that you need to do the practice when you're feeling like you're acting like a bit of an ass or you're feeling a bit short-fused. How's my sleep? How am I going? I spoke to someone the other day who was unraveling a little bit in the mind and then messaged me the next day to say, actually, I haven't been sleeping very well either. I'm like, oh, well, that makes total sense too. Like if we're not sleeping well. Right. And the nutrition. I mean, there's all that stuff as well, right? But to take the time to just to tune in. And if you don't have time to date, say, do a big full practice, one thing I suggested today was just to sit, maybe whether it's just sit in nature or sit on your deck sit outside, just take a moment with a cup of tea, take a few breaths and take some pause. Just ask yourself, how am I going? How am I feeling? It's just such a full-on time. The other thing is booze is fucking everywhere at the moment too. Everywhere. Coming at you. Everywhere you look, it's coming at you. Yeah. It's really tough. So we've got some questions. I put out this morning, if anyone had any questions about this podcast, which is really cool because we've got some messages in. I just got one actually just came through on my phone. Uh And okay, so this person said, do you get triggered at Christmas, birthdays, et cetera? So I'm going to ask you this. Uh If so, how do you get through them? Good Mm. question. Good question. Do you find yourself triggered as such? I personally don't these days. It would be really rare for me to get to feel triggered to drink these days. The only times really I think about drinking are just some sometimes are just really random thought pops into my head. But I don't feel triggered around uh, things like Christmas and birthdays. However, I did in the early days. And for me, I think the main message, is, especially in the last three years since my last relapse, the main message that I needed to keep telling myself was that life's just going to look a bit different these days and I have to do things differently if I'm going to recover. So I think like earlier, much earlier in recovery, mm-hmm. uh, I think I was trying really hard to try and still be the party girl and going out to parties and bars and doing this and whatever, but just not drinking. And it didn't work out very well for me because I felt like I was really, I wasn't really living authentically. It was just like I was still trying yes. to put on this show that didn't feel right for me. And also I was feeling really triggered to drink in those places. So I think really in these last three years, one of the biggest messages in this that I talk about when I'm coaching people and even when I'm sponsoring other women in AA is that we've got to do things differently and life's going to just look a little bit different. So in the past, if Christmas was a really big drinking time, 
I've just got to accept that Christmas is just going to look a bit different these days. I need to have a different approach to that. I need to look at it in a different way. Instead of looking at Christmas time, oh, that's drinking time. Now I look at Christmas as, okay, well, Christmas is a time to spend with family and eat a lot of food. (laughs) Yeah, it's just got to look different. So, and I think really where we get triggered a lot is where we feel like we're missing out or that people are sort of um, doing something that we can't, that there's some sort of deficit there and we're not really looking at what we're gaining from this so my suggestion would be um, to the person who asked that question is instead of thinking about this can be a triggering time like have a look at what are the positives that are going to come out of this like now you're going to have Christmas with loved ones presumably you're going to get to be present for those people you don't need to worry about making a dick of yourself if there's kids in the family, I think like around, especially around Christmas time, like that's what Christmas is for me. It's about the kids. I've got little nieces and nephews and I love hanging out with them when they, they're getting excited about Santa and they're opening their presents and that sort of stuff. And, and you know, these days I can be really present with all of that sort of stuff instead of really hungover on Christmas morning and I'm getting woken up at six o'clock in the morning and I'm kind of growling at my nieces and nephews like oh just give me another hour of sleep or give me another half an hour you know these days it's like yep cool let's get up let's go you know so yeah I think really looking at what are the what am I gaining out of all of this it will really help through this time what are the benefits like what have I got to look forward to rather than looking at like what you sort of think you might be missing out on. 100% I agree and I do agree too that the the first Christmas perhaps and the first birthday celebrations it's by far the hardest especially for me it was like being around my family that that drink not that they probably even wanted me to but I just felt this expectation that's how I should be it's really hard to you know with your family I guess to to be the new version of yourself sometimes. I fit, I find that that's the hardest mm-hmm. people to be around. But just getting through that first one, staying present, playing it forward, and then just really focusing on those good feelings as well. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Linda, so focusing on what is good about it and how you want to feel, how you don't want to feel, and just keep thinking through to the next day. Like that's going to help me. So that's how I would deal with it. I, I probably didn't deal with it actually that well the first year. As well, I, I just felt very uncomfortable, and yeah, it was hard. It was definitely very, very hard. Ash's family much easier because they don't drink, so I didn't have that issue so much with them. Then the next year, there were still triggers there, but it was much easier than it was the previous year. And then yeah. the next one, it gets easier until yeah. just you don't think about it. Eventually, Ash and I are coming up to six years without alcohol this New Year's Day, and uh, it's so amazing. Yeah. And it, it's, it's just incredible how it just goes it just does go eventually so that's my response to there so yes definitely get harder at at the start but it does get better yeah just keep on it's just that old trick playing the tape forward I hope that doesn't sound like a cop-out or you've heard it before everyone listening but it's true it really does work and just thinking about uh Denny this is the sort of thing that you would say is like try and welcome these triggers embrace them because this is all teaching us stuff And every time we get through a big trigger or a really big craving and we come out the other side and we haven't picked up a drink, that's sending that really important messaging to your subconscious to tell you that you don't need to do this anymore, which is what obviously then makes it easier going on. So I say bring on the triggers, like welcome them and just acknowledge them and don't be afraid of them. Just because you're uh, triggered or you're having a craving to drink doesn't mean that you're actually going to drink. It just means that you're, you know, you're having a feeling, you're having a, a thought about it. So, yeah, welcome them. 
Absolutely. And then the other thing too, the sneaky bitch, if that comes in, it's, I've got a question also about this as well, but if the sneaky bitch shows up and just says, just have one, you got to tell that bitch to fuck off. Like, yep. fuck off. <laughs> you know, get abusive <laughs> yes. as well. Like, I mean, you can, it's great to acknowledge and say, I'm, I'm all for that too. Like what you just said, Lyndall, 100%. But if she's persistent, no, it's time for you to fuck right off. Yeah. Like, yeah. See yeah. ya. Put the boxing gloves on. Get ready to fight. It is really hard in the early days and and all these firsts are very hard. And, you know, quite honestly, this is why so many people go back to drinking because it's just easier to revert back to what's familiar. So, mm. yeah, you really got to put the boxing gloves on and, and fight for this, you know, fight for, for what you want, what you know is, is best for you because that sneaky bitch, absolutely, she can be very persistent and very persuasive and... Um, you're a good old fucking hip and shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Tell we're from the country, can't yeah, you? Yeah. A couple exactly. of scrappy chicks. Yeah. Only time right. we condone violence. It's for the sneaky bitch. That's yeah, it. Exactly. All right. Okay. So I've got some questions here. Let's hit them. So this is from Lindy. And she said, Oh, now this is an interesting one. She's uh-huh. set boundaries with certain family members and is feeling really nervous about seeing those family members and it's making her feel really anxious about Christmas coming up. Uh-huh. Wow. Now she said, have you got any tools or tricks for me? And that's a big one, Lindy. That's um, that's tough, isn't it? Yeah, that is tough. And I, firstly, I'd just say well done, Lindy, for putting those boundaries in place in the first place because that is also one of the toughest challenges for a lot of people is to actually have those boundaries. Typically a lot of drink, drinkers are people pleasers, you know, so it's, we find yeah. it hard to put those boundaries in place. So, yeah, firstly, well done. Uh, what I would say, I guess, is that I think, and it's sort of hard to know depending on what the boundary is, but I guess it's sort of a little bit like we, we were talking about before, there's going to be a first, right? Even if you put a boundary in place with somebody, there's going to be a first time when that's tested or when you're going to have to see that person or approach that person. And, yeah, it can be a little bit scary, but it doesn't mean that it's going to end up being a bad situation. And um, I would just say, you know, make sure you stick to your guns, like whatever it is, whatever the boundary is that you've put in place, make sure you really stick to your guns because the worst thing that you could do is have a boundary in place and then backtrack on that if the person's putting pressure on you or not honouring that boundary. So make sure you stick to your guns and keep that boundary in place regardless of how hard it gets because it's important for us to protect ourselves and it's important for other people to understand as well, but it, we've set a boundary in place then that needs to be respected. Yeah, 100%. I agree. There's a big difference too between holding a, you know, having a good boundary and holding a grudge too. And mm. I think people start to feel guilty about having their boundaries, especially if other family members start to say, oh, what's your fucking problem? Just let it go. You know, I don't know what the actual situation is here in this case, mm-hmm. but I can relate to that as well. So, yeah, just being really firm. I know with myself I probably tend to go for avoidant behaviour in the past. Oh, I'm not going to go then. Oh, they're not going, I'm not going to go. Or you feel super nervous and if I was super nervous in the past I would have drunk on that mm-hmm. and then got completely shit-faced and either hip and shoulder them, bought out the you know, scrappy, or I don't know, or just cried. I don't know. It could have gone either way, fucking scary, either way. But, yeah, just to watch your own, your reaction to it. Am I going to avoid it behaviour? And just like anything else, to kind of sit with it, sit with what shows up. And, again, like you said, Lyndall, I think that's great. Like stay firm with your boundaries if that's what kind of helps your nervous system. And I guess probably what I would adopt there too is just some 
like calming, grounding strategies before and after and during when you've seen that person perhaps. So it might be handy, yeah, if if it's not at your house and you're going somewhere to take some grounding breaths before you go in, even if it's just three or three to five breaths in the car, stay calm. Watch your breath throughout. So if you're starting to get sharp and shallow, if they confront you, I don't know, like again, don't know what situation, but Mm. try to stay with your breath. And don't be afraid just to take pause halfway through. I've just like got to make a phone call or going outside, go and take a bit of a break outside. Connect again to your breath, perhaps. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful advice. Yeah, I think so. I think that hopefully that helps, Lindy. But I totally get it. Oh, my bum mm. goes tight just thinking about it. <laughs> you know, when you sort of don't want to kind of see someone. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, especially if some people can respond badly, badly to a boundary being put in place so you know especially if this this person that she's put the boundary in place with hasn't responded well to that yeah I get it that's you know <laughs> makes my it go tight too <laughs> like, oh, it's terrible yeah well done Lindy that's awesome awesome that yeah you've done that. And look that's of course if you have to go if it's really uncomfortable for you then perhaps you don't go but I know it, this is why Christmas is stressful right because you've you've confronted with this stuff and it's like yeah. go there's this expectation the, yeah. but I will say this too sometimes we catastrophize like be careful not to get into catastrophic thinking or black and white thinking about it mm-hmm. because sometimes we can build up in our head it's going to be so terrible what if you change the thinking to I'm looking forward to seeing this person and having this encounter with them with my boundary in place yes I don't know absolutely that's a great point and yeah, like what if I approach this situation as like um, this is going to be a great learning opportunity for me. I'm going to be able to see this person, be able to like uh, I'll be able to learn from this because I'll be able to learn about how I can continue to hold this boundary in place even if it's uncomfortable for me. And so, yeah. I like that. I like that too. Reframe it. Absolutely. Good reframe. Okay. Now this one was from Kerry. She said she's broken up with the partner so close to Christmas and how do you not hit the fucker button? Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, that's really hard. Any of these sort of big events that happen around Christmas, whether it's, you know, relationship breakups or deaths in the family or, you know, major accidents or any of these big emotional events, they get really hard to, uh, it just seems like it's so much worse if it's right before or after Christmas. I don't know how long Carrie and their, and their partner have been together, but you know, like if you, especially if you're used to seeing their family for Christmas as well, that can be because you're not only just losing the partner, but you're also losing the partner's family. So that can all be really difficult as well. But I mean, what I would say, I mean, I, I separated from my partner in sobriety and it wasn't anywhere near Christmas, but the way I frame, and again, this comes into reframing, right? Like, but the way I tried to really frame it in my head is like, this is new opportunities for me here. For every door that closes, there's other doors that open and this is a new life for me. And yes, it's uncomfortable and it's painful. And even though it was my decision to end the relationship, it's still really, it was still really painful. Opening the door to what's to come. And I think mm. for Kerry, you know, like, okay, Christmas is going to be different this year, but that's okay. I think practising some acceptance around that is going to be really helpful. 
Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, that's a tough one. And I guess there's lots of things, again, not knowing the situation, but lots, lots of things comes up, doesn't it? Like loneliness could come up. Yeah, again, it's, I guess, noticing the feelings, but also reframing that as well. Just like you said, Lyndall, I think it's good to think, okay, how's this, this could look different for me? Or mm -hmm. perhaps I dodged a bullet here, mm -hmm. you know, get a new vibrator. <laughs> it's the first thing I did when I <laughs> broke out with my ex. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I ditched him and I got a vibrator and a dog instead and my life's never been better. I mean, what can I say? <laughs> no, sorry, I don't care. if you're listening, I don't want to minimalise your experience. But, yeah, no, I like acknowledging that yeah. it is a painful time and and it's hurtful regardless of the circumstances of the breakup. It's always it's a tough time of year. No, like no matter what time of year it is, it's a tough thing to go through. Relationship breaks up, breakups are just really hard. But I think one thing that would be important to just keep in your mind or keep telling yourself is that alcohol is not going to change any of it it's not going no. to bring the partner back it's not going to make the relationship any better it's not going to make you feel any better so mm -hmm. sure you might get a little bit of temporary relief if you hit the fuck it button and you and you're able to just numb out from what's going on in your mind um and the pain that you're feeling but it's not going to change anything 100 percent. i was just thinking too rather than hit the fuck it button hit the fuck him button yeah. And go do something really nice for yourself, perhaps. Exactly. You know, go, go do something that's going to make you feel really good and fuck him. Because like you say, like you, you're going to drink on that. It's not going to make anything go. In fact, it might make you text him in a drunken stupor and then you're going to really kick yourself yeah, yeah. that. <laughs> yes. It's so funny how like when you're drunk, it's just like all oh, my exes want to hear from me. <laughs> all of them. All of them. It's never like what you've got to say is never profound or <laughs> insightful oh. or uh it's just it's yeah embarrassing embarrassing we've all been there yeah, so <laughs> embarrassing yeah but anyway so good luck Kerry and I'd say don't hit the fuck button whatever you do just yeah yeah, yeah just try and honor yourself a bit more than that yes uh, well said yeah try and if you're in recovery already this is you and this is your life that you that you're doing this for it doesn't matter about anybody else so just try and honor yourself stick with yourself Back yourself. Oh, I love that. Love you. That's great. This one's from Matt. And he said that he's been off the piss for about six months and he's just finding it really super difficult. All of his friends are hassling him to drink. There's been lots of occasions, lots of social catch-ups, and he's feeling a bit worn out from it. Mm. Oh, Matt. Yeah. Mate, you're nearly there. That's one thing I'd say. You're nearly through it. Yeah, it can be exhausting if you're feeling like you've got to keep explaining yourself if there are any case about it. That's... That's pretty shit. Yeah, that's really hard and disappointing too if the, if your mates aren't supporting you. I think here as well, well, like you said, you're nearly through it. You're nearly there. It's only another bit over a week to go before two weeks if you include the year as well and, and things will probably change a little bit after that, settle down with all this festive season madness. But I think practising acceptance, I know I talk about that a lot, but practising some acceptance here Danny, we've talked a bit before about sometimes relationships need to change when we get into recovery and that's okay. We don't want to lose uh, or lose contact with our old friends and you don't necessarily need to, but perhaps the friendship just looks a little bit differently in recovery. And, mm -hmm. you know, perhaps if there are people that really aren't supporting your recovery or and or you feel like are potentially even jeopardising your recovery, I mean, maybe this is the time to try and put some boundaries in place maybe sort of step back a little bit from the friendship for a little while it doesn't always need to stay like that 
I really honestly believe that you've got to do, you've got to protect your sobriety like your life depends on it because it does. And so your friends will all adjust and the ones that don't, perhaps they're, they're not meant to be in your life, but maybe if you need to step back for some, some friendships or find some new friends, find some sober friends, maybe if that needs to happen in order to protect your sobriety, then do those sorts of things. And I think also, yeah, practising acceptance, like we just... We can't control what other people do and say and even though that they might be doing and saying things that are hurtful or that that are not very supportive, I mean, it's just about practising acceptance, you know, just accepting that they are just the way they are and yeah. and that's okay. They're all on their own journey too and, um, you know, we can't change that and so just having acceptance around like rather than letting yourself get upset about it. Yeah, definitely. The other thing I might suggest too, Matt, is that perhaps too, if you're feeling exhausted from it, to me, just hearing the word exhausted after socialising probably indicates you're a bit of an introvert Mm. as well. And so maybe you need to fill your own bucket a bit the next day after hanging out with people or that night. And then I agree with you, Lyndall, 110%. Perhaps it's time to, like I said earlier, have a bit of a boundary with those people. I think one of the best things to say is that, look, Drinking shit for my mental health and I need to really look after my mental health. I think no one ever, ever fucks with that, no matter who they are. And if they do want to fuck with that, then they 100% aren't your mates. Mm-hmm. You know? And the other thing, Matt, please message me back in the new year when at least 60% of those people hit you up and go, mate, I need some of what you've got because they would feel, I bet you they feel fucking shit I know myself like after like getting through a Christmas like I think that's why we gave up New Year's Day just like it that was always the plan because you just drink like you said like you just drink so much Mm -hmm. you eat so much you drink so much you slop about your mental health takes a dive you're bloated you're put on 10 kilos you feel like fucking shit and I bet you Matt they will be you stick to your guns and they're going to be coming knocking on your door going I want some of what you've got don't you reckon Lindor? 100% and I think the other thing that, and I know we've talked about this before as well, but usually when people are not supportive of your recovery, it's a reflection on them. When people get sober in a group like that or even just in a friendship and the, and the friend's not supportive, it's usually a reflection on them and how they're feeling about their own drinking. You know, it becomes very, when, when one friend quits drinking, it becomes very obvious for the other friend exactly how much they are drinking, especially if they're losing a drinking buddy. So... I think, Matt, just know that, yeah, a lot of the, if these people aren't being supportive, it's not because they don't care about you because I'm sure they do if they're your mates. It's more probably that it's just shining a big light on it right in their faces about their own drinking and probably having them start to question whether or not they should be looking at, at their own drinking. Definitely. And also, yeah, go find some new friends. <laughs> <laughs> if, they, if they don't come knocking at your door they're out there and sometimes yeah. i've said this before too but sometimes when you let some go it creates space for new ones you know find some good hobbies that will help this was an interesting one lindall i reckon a lot of people can relate to this this is from simone and she said i actually dread christmas our family are so dysfunctional they make me feel terrible i'm so anxious about going to see them at christmas time the message goes on but i'll just leave it there mm-hmm. uh Wow, I love Christmas, so I can't really relate. I can relate to the dread sometimes of having to see certain people. I know you're not such a big rap for Christmas, Lyndall. I'm not such a big fan of Christmas, no. Like I said before, I mean, for me, it's just all about the kids. And aside from that, for me, it really doesn't mean much to me. I mean, I love catching up with my family, but I love catching up with them anytime. But 
I definitely have in the past. I, I probably doesn't have as big an impact on me these days, but in the past I've definitely felt that like dread. I just I, I just dread this whole thing because it's always just such a big deal and it's so like full on and there's always so much bullshit that goes on leading up to it and all these phone calls flying around this person said this and we're doing this and no we're not we're doing that and this person told me that we're doing this so why aren't we doing that like and it just gets too much for me like to the point where I've like threatened numerous times that like next year I'm going to be on a deserted island somewhere way away from everyone at Christmas because I just don't want to have a bar of it so yeah like I can relate to that dread and look I I think Mm. what I would say is similar to what we've said to some of the other people definitely there's practicing acceptance here I mean that's my answer for everything these days but maybe I don't know like do you have to go like if it's really having that much of an impact on you I mean do you really need to go if you do need to go to Christmas do you have to go for is it more than a one day thing or can you just go for a couple of hours like can you this sort of speaks to that, like putting some boundaries in place for yourself, you know, is there like, yeah, can you just say that you're only going to go for a certain amount of time and then leave? I just wouldn't go. Exactly what you said. This is exactly what I was thinking. If your family is that dysfunctional and it's causing you anxiety, thinking about going, I would 100%, yeah, not go. No. And usually a dysfunctional family, what I'm imagining here in my own mind is boundaries being crossed or no, not feeling cared for mm-hmm. in your family of origin, then I think don't go. Mm-hmm. 100%. You, you're probably much better off to stay home and do something nice for yourself or go and go to a friend's place, perhaps go spend time with their family, or even though that can be triggering as well, but just to try and enjoy some other company, even if you just drop into a friend's for a bit and eat their roast potatoes and steal their gravy yeah. and then get out. <laughs> But you're much better off probably to do that than be around dysfunctional people if you don't feel particularly cared for in that environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like you said, maybe limit your time if you have to go. Yeah. But you don't have to do anything. We're all adults now too. So we can make the choice, step into your adult self. I think our little ch- wounded inner childs are getting triggered around this time of year, left, mm. right and centre too. So, okay, what does my adult self need to do right now? And uh, what do I need for myself? And it might be a big fucking no, mm-hmm. not coming. Yep, it might piss them off, but it might also be an opportunity to air some stuff too, perhaps at another time. Yeah. yeah I think that's good. All right, I've got one here from Janine. This one hit my stuff a bit because I could relate. She said there's been a death in the family a few years ago and the whole family dynamic has changed. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. And so I'm, I won't go in and read the whole message, but like, you know, I think if someone has passed that's been the glue in the family and then the family dynamic looks very different, perhaps everyone's disbanded or doing their own things, yeah, that's tough. Like that's that's really tough and I feel for you, Janine. And And this is where we get into this is what they call the the secondary loss. So when we talk about primary losses, okay, so if you've lost a family member, whether it's like a, uh, a parent or a sibling or something like that, that's considered like a a primary loss and then the secondary loss is the other things that happen as a result of that. So if, and I don't know the specifics of Janine's circumstances, but, you know, if, say, like you said, maybe perhaps that whoever person that she's lost was the glue in the family and people have disbanded, then there's this sort of secondary loss around, well, we're not, Christmas isn't the same anymore. So I'm losing Christmas as well as losing the person that I 
care for mm. and this is what they call oh, it's me teary. yeah no, mm. it's make me feel a bit teary too but yeah this is what they call secondary loss and it's often we don't really think about that you know we don't because we just think oh well I've lost my loved one but we don't necessarily think about those secondary and even tertiary losses that happen as a result of that and I and I can sort of relate to you know we have my stepfather passed away five and a half years ago and then my nan we you know we lost my nan about three and a half years ago and so Christmases do look really different these days because uh, we've sort of dwindled down like I don't have any grandparents left I've only got my mum and, and a couple of siblings and their families like it's a pretty small deal these days so it does look a bit different and and it's always just a there's a gaping hole there at the at the table just knowing that they're not there and so that that is hard dealing with losses again it's hard at any time of the year but this is again well you know sounding a bit like a broken record but just you know practicing a bit of acceptance and I think it's a good time of year to really have a bit of time to honor that person and have a talk about that person at the Christmas table Mm. you know I know that we did that um last year talking about my stepdad we sort of got on these whole funny stories about some of these little quirks and things that he used to do and and it was just a nice way to yeah I guess honor him and feel like he was there even though he wasn't there yeah that's beautiful I love that yeah for people listening to I think it's like I love talking about my dad and especially around this time of year he loved Christmas so much and you know one of our mutual friends Lisa she beautiful last year was it the year before last year she got me one of my favorite photos of my dad and she got it put into a little frame as an ornament to hang oh, on the tree oh yeah cute it's always the one we all put up together and we all, you know, I have a bit of a teary and it's beautiful, but I see him there hanging on the tree and it's really, it's so, it was such a beautiful gift. But people listening and you know that they're missing a loved one too, perhaps just ask them, like, what do you miss about them? And mm. even if you find that awkward or they have a bit of a cry, well, that's okay, just sit with them and, and listen to their story because people want to celebrate those people too and sometimes you feel like you can't, yeah. especially if it's a couple of years down the track. So I think that's really beautiful what, what your family did too and I think I might do the same this year. But, yeah, it's really big when the family changes if the matriarch or the patriarch dies, if they go and they're the ones that have held the family together, I can relate, Janine. So, yeah, yeah I, I think it's being with those feelings again and just, yeah, just feeling them and maybe a bit of journaling. You know, my grief journals come out a lot in the last couple of weeks and, think it's a really good time to just sit and revisit and yeah light a candle for the loved one on the day and still honor them absolutely yeah and um yeah and and hopefully things go back Janine to uh, you know whether the family kind of regroups or you find your groove you know with the family after that loss so that's really really huge Yeah. yeah and I think what's important to acknowledge around this as well is not just how it's affecting you but how this affects other family members as well when there's a death in the family obviously it affects everyone and I know for us for my family you know the first Christmas that we had without my stepdad was really hard really hard and mum was very emotional around that time she was making some strange decisions and and putting some expectations on on the rest of us that got really challenging like really it was really challenging for all of us I just had to really try and practice some acceptance around like she's still grieving she's hurting I am too but just understanding that some of the things that were coming out were not directed at me it wasn't personal it wasn't doing it to 
you know, to be a brat or to, you know, to be difficult. It was just she was still, she was hurting and it was a hard time for her to be there with without her husband of nearly 40 years. And then mm-hmm. it was only one or two Christmases later when then she doesn't have her mum there either. So and sometimes people might start to act out a little bit if they are facing mm-hmm. difficult situations like that. So just trying to have a little bit of compassion for the other people in your family and the other people that this affects is really important too. It's probably a great question too in terms of compassion. If someone is acting a bit different or you're like, why is that person being such an ass? And I know that's really hard because we personalise things, but to ask, hey, is everything okay? Like, are you all right? And also if you're noticing yourself being like an ass and just reaching out to a safe person that you trust and hopefully everyone's got a safe person, if not get into your journal and just sort of talk about it. So I'm really sorry, I'm just feeling a bit sad or I'm missing yeah. someone or... Yeah, I think it's really, really good. The other thing I would say too, if you're getting really triggered and you're finding it hard, because sometimes this time of year is like next level hard for people, please reach out to Lifeline Uh and they've got trained qualified counsellors on the go 24-7. Reach out to them. I'll put their uh, number in the show notes as well, but it's a quick Google as well to reach out to Lifeline. If you need to speak to someone immediately, I would say don't reach out to people on their social media. Mm-hmm. Reach out to Lifeline, reach out to a qualified person that can help you because sometimes people, they're not checking their social media. They might not even have time to get back to you or they might have someone else doing their social media for God's sake. So mm-hmm. you need to reach out to a, a qualified person that's available. So I would say 100% Lifeline. Up your counselling. Mm. See your counsellor. I've got a session with mine next week. See a counsellor, it's a great time of year if you can get in, if you can see someone, oh, fantastic, it's a good time. And just be kind to yourself, you know. But can I say one thing? I'm so fucking glad I'm not getting trashed this time of year. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> happy dancing. Oh, yeah. yeah, happy dancing. Oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. Shoulders in and all. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shoulders. Yes. Oh, I cannot tell you how good it feels to, yeah, to not have to deal with that, like just not. And like I said at the start of the call, my drinking really escalated around this time of year and it it just felt like always a hard slog. Even though I was the one that was drinking, it was just a hard slog to get through every day of that full-on drinking and waking up and feeling like shit and then having to do it again. And I say having to. You know, like, but it, that's what, that like, at the time I didn't think there was any other option for me because it, that was the way I was living at the time, but it was a hard slog. Ugh, it's gross. Yeah. So all of it's gross. So it might seem fun at the time once you've had a few in, but please don't forget those raging fucking hangovers or the walk of shame in the morning. Don't forget that. Like, yes, there's good times in there as well, but I promise you it's nothing is as good as waking up in the morning and just going, oh, I'm okay. I didn't do anything. Absolutely. <laughs> it is the best. Absolutely. And I think if you're going to be around family at Christmas time, there can often be people in the family who are drinking. There's usually one or two that are like the big drinkers that kind of can often cause some drama and some bit of chaos. And I think just remembering, again, it's okay to have boundaries it's okay if you want to remove yourself from the family thing. I did a couple of years ago. Things were starting to get a bit messy, you know, late in the afternoon. So I had a really early dinner before anyone else ate. And I went and I was staying at my brother's house and I 
took my dog and we went off and I was in bed by 7 p.m. and I just left my family to the, do the rest of it. I was like, I just don't need to be around this, you know, like I don't, I don't mm. need to do this. I've had We've had a beautiful lunch all together. I've spent most of Christmas Day with them and I just removed myself and took myself off to bed and that's totally okay, you know, like you don't have to sit totally. around and be with everyone while they're making a mess of themselves and getting argumentative and causing fights and repeating themselves and spitting all over you. And, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, totally, 100%. And thank fucking God that you're not going to feel like they are going to feel the next day, poor thing. Yeah, celebrate your wins too, you know, like just celebrate your wins, celebrate how good you feel. Remember, you're going to feel like a bag of dicks if you go for it. You just don't fucking drink. If you're already sober, just don't fucking drink. Simple. Don't put it it's to your not lips. Help anything. No matter what, don't do it. Go for a walk. Get into a cold shower. Do whatever you got to do. Don't do it. And I promise you, you won't regret that decision, no matter what. And then if you're still drinking or if you have had a lapse, just get yourself back to where you want to be. Don't sweat it too much. Just try and get yourself back to where you want to be. But it's much easier to stay on track than it is to fall off and try and get back on track. Yeah. Do your best, but uh, there's things that you can do to be of service as well around Christmas time. You know, chip in, chip in yeah. and help get the Christmas lunch cooked. Ask what you can do to help to set up for Christmas lunch or dinner or, you know, ask what sort of food you can bring. Ask what you can cook. Ask how you can help clean up the house to get it ready for Christmas, any of those sorts of things. Yeah. And like you said, Danny, like just check in on people too. Like that's... That's a good way to be of service. Just check in with people and see if people are okay, especially like you say, there's sort of, you know, people are acting out a little bit. Yeah, check in, 100%. You know what we did the other day? One of my neighbours organised a food drop for the Salvation Army at a local area around here. It's really cool. So I took my girls and we had a list of things that they, they needed. It was really awesome. So I took Sunny and Aria down to Coles and we did a shop for families in need and filled the, the basket up and it was Amazing. good and it felt really good and it was great for the girls to see that and understand that and also yeah. to see how lucky that they are as well. So that was a really nice yeah. thing to do. I was stoked that my neighbour, Kirsty, she organised that. It was a really beautiful thing to do. So, yeah, just give me of service. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if anybody's finding themselves at a bit of a loose end on Christmas Day as well or even Boxing Day or um, New Year's Day whenever, AA meetings run all the time, like they don't close down over those times. So even if you think that AA is not your thing or whatever, like if you find yourself at a bit of a loose end, there will be an AA meeting on somewhere close to where you are. And a lot of the meetings that run on those days will put on a lunch or something like that. So, or even if you've got a just get away from your family for a bit. There'll be an AA meeting somewhere if you want to just go and keep out for a couple of hours and get some recovery and, and chat to some mm. people, especially if you're maybe you don't have family around, you know, or um, perhaps your family's not talking to you or anything, you know, if you yeah, want to get a bit of recovery and be around some people who are, are loving and kind, then AA is always there. Oh, that's a beautiful suggestion too. That's yeah. awesome. Love you, babe. Thank you so much. This has been a beautiful chat. Oh, it has been a beautiful chat. One thing I really want to say, I know I talk about this a lot, but really practice acceptance for any of the challenges that come up, anything that gets a bit difficult, anything that you find is causing you any kind of emotional disturbance, really try and practice some acceptance. 
And what I always say around acceptance is that just because we accept doesn't mean that we approve and it doesn't mean that we agree. It just means that we just accept. And, you know, it says in the AA Big Book, there's a story, one of the stories at the back and one of the lines is um, acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. And I tried to make that a little bit of a challenge for myself. I was like, all right, Lyndall, go and try and find a problem that can't be solved by practising acceptance. <laughs> so far I haven't been able to find one. If anyone's listening and they can find one and, you, and you're actually genuinely, honestly practising acceptance, then please let me know. But I loved also what Michael Singer says in his book, The Untethered Soul. He says, acceptance means that events can make it through you without resistance. This is because events are not the problems. They are just events. Your resistance is what causes the problem. So if anything challenging is coming up, it's just keep that in mind. It's not actually the event. It's not what people are doing and saying or the people, places and things. It's your resistance to that that's causing the emotional disturbance for you. So really try and practice some acceptance around all of these challenging things that come around this time of year and any time of year for that matter. Oh, I'm, I was just about to pull out the Michael Singer there. Oh, I beat you to it. <laughs> so you did. Well done. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned him because it's so beautiful. Yeah. In his book, The Untethered Soul, for people listening, I've mentioned it heaps of times, but get yourself that as a gift for Christmas. It's yeah. beautiful. Buy it for everyone you know. It's just such a great book. You know, and next year too, like start looking at, okay, how do I up my spiritual game next year? How do I work on myself a bit more? How do I pull back the layers and go a bit deeper on myself? in this new year every day is an opportunity to work a bit more and and go inward and start that process of healing i think it's just such a beautiful thing to do and that's another great gift to give yourself speaking of my new challenge starts in feb in january sorry i think it's january 14th this one is starting it's almost oh it's half full at the moment so probably best to jump on the january one always sells out Uh yeah they all always sell out but the january one fills up really quickly it also has the highest drop-off rate, mm-hmm. which is interesting too because I think people just feel like shit and then they think, I'm just going to sign up for this and then that's going to fix my problems. Not so. Sorry, you're going to have to do the work. Yeah, make a New Year's resolution to get sober and then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't in, work oh, like that. Maybe that wasn't a good thing to do right now. Yeah. But I tell you yeah. what, it's a great program for if you, if you want to do the work and you want to put in, you'll get amazing stuff out of it. And there's so much in that. There's our daily practice every morning, 6.30 every morning. I am fucking there on the Zoom. We're doing gratitude and breath work and meditation and journaling and looking at our patterns and the, the thought patterns and the behavioural patterns that show up and all sorts of practices there every morning and just digging deep into our stuff. And it's not for the faint-hearted. It's not a, a light little program. Someone said to me once, what the fuck is this? I thought we would just be drinking some green smoothies and you tell us to go for a walk every day. <laughs> that, that was also followed by I want my money back. <laughs> so please oh, read the description great. before that's you sign up. Yeah, and I also do just urge people to get in contact with me if you do want to sign up so we can have a conversation because it's limited amount of spaces and I really only want people in that challenge that are going to do some serious work on themselves and have a look and and be there someone messaged me yesterday and said I want to join but I'm a bit worried about I don't want to do sharing it's not really about sharing I mean you can share if you want but it's more so myself or someone else talking usually through a topic or a strategy 
I wouldn't say it's a sharing thing. Yeah. Perhaps the last call and the first call is a little bit of sharing, but it's up to you. We can go with that too. So, yeah, so that's open. I just love it. I love doing the challenges. It's so great. I love seeing people transform and change. So that's an option for you. And if you miss out on mine, there's other great ones around too. If you can't afford it, there's AA as well. You know, there's things out there. There's always a way to get well if you want. Absolutely. I think it's great. Anyway, we'll leave it at that, Lindell. But good luck, everyone, navigating through this time. And, yeah, everyone's just doing their best and everyone's amazing. Mm. As are you, my friend, Lindell Hunt. You are amazing. As are you, darling. Thank you so much for having me on. And thank you so much for everything that you do for the sober community. I mean, I am a product of the How I Quit Alcohol Challenge as well. And I know that that really helped to level up my recovery the work that I did in that challenge really complemented a lot of the work that I do in AA, but yeah, really helped to transform the way that I think, which is something that is so necessary in order to recover. And yeah, and what you do with this podcast is is incredible. So thank you for being you and being amazing. And I love you so much. And I'm going to see you in January. It's exciting. I'm so excited. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying that. And likewise, everything you do and your amazing relapse recovery program is awesome. And so Linda and I are both available as well for coaching, counseling, you name it, we're there for you. So, and if we can't help you, we know a ton of people, great coaches, great counselors, therapists, where we can definitely, hopefully, get you in the right direction if you need help. So, yeah, beautiful. Absolutely. Thanks, darling. Awesome. Thank you. Speak soon. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.